Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Tales from the Dragon's Den, Campaign 1, Session 2. I am your host, Tyler. Along with me are the crewmates for the campaign. We have Brad Yelmar. Brad, you could say hello. Introduce your character. Oh, uh, oh yes. I'm, I'm Brad, and I play Bont. Fantastic. Next, we have Jake. I'm Jake, and I play Exum. <laughs> and then we have Josh. Oh yeah, uh, I'm Josh, and I play Kelbricks the Gloomstalker. And last but not least, we have Matt. I play Erlen Vonmore. I feel like I say that with way too much like Matt, like too much emphasis on like the T. Listen, man, you just keep doing that. It gets me all randy and all that. Ooh, all right. Ooh. All right. All right. I mean, there are two T's. There sure are. Matt so it's phonetically correct. <laughs> uh, give me a quick recap of what happened last time. Not a whole lot, because uh, I was definitely fully prepared for the campaign to start. It was great. Stepping onto Brentwater Island and getting their first breaths of fresh air outside of the prison system in a while... Our crew of unlikely companions made their way to the capital of Brentwater, Marshdeep, to begin their journey together to regain their freedom through the Race for Freedom, a game hosted by a chain of islands in the Blue Ash Sea. Hold on, fuck that up. A game hosted by Galen Goodfield, held within a chain of islands in the Blue Ash Sea. And after a fight with... Holy shit, I can't talk at all today. I believe in you, keep doing it. After a fight for resources within the Coliseum found in the center of Marshdeep, our gang has successfully found everything they need to survive, at least for now, along with a few important goods provided by Silver Quill, the announcer for the games, mainly a speaking stone that will be used to track exactly what everyone is doing at all times, and I know that speaking stones are typically a one-time thing, but to make it easier for consistency without being too complicated, they are for eternal use in a one-way telecommunication with a house that will be providing information to everybody. We pick up with our gang getting ready to leave the Coliseum and continue their journey. That was rough to get through. As everybody is lined up, we remember that you guys were all given speaking stones, and Kelbricks was immediately one to gun for the door out. Is there anything you would like to do in the Coliseum before you leave? Bond just waves majestically to the spectators as he's as he's leaving. Roll a perception check, Brad. Oh, okay. Mm, twelve. Okay, with the twelve, you can see that everybody is ignoring you, uh, except for this one young child with a dirty face looking at you and waving back excitedly. And you just hear in the back. Hi, mister! As you guys leave the Coliseum. Elbrix is through the tunnel as far as she can get. Honestly, yeah. I I bet he is. Oh, I bet. bet (laughs) Uh-huh. As soon as I get the first outside of like freedom i stop and wait for everybody else but i just want to be like outside of walls fantastic 
Well, as the crew begins to walk back out of the Coliseum and ascend back down the stairs to the location the fair was held, you notice there isn't a trace of the festival at all. Uh, the location was spotless, as if it was never been stepped on by the locals. And this is actually the first time you get to see the city for what it truly is. Very, very clean. <laughs> very, very clean, and you look around you, and just as quickly as you left walls, you see that there are walls towering over you, 40 to 50 feet high, enclosing you in a circle. The sun's at the highest point in the sky now, and you can tell it's midday. When looking around, you can tell there's large buildings to your right, and the path that leads the, uh, out of the city square is just ahead to the corner. So, looking to the rest of the party, I, I, I kind of address them all as one ago. So, does anybody know what we're supposed to do next? Were we given some sort of an objective here? Uh, I think we're just walking around and enjoying our newfound freedom there, friend. I'm well and good with that, but I'd really like to earn that real freedom so I can get back to, to what I'm trying to do with my life. Hmm. Is there like a moderator? Can we use this speaking stone to speak with someone? How do how do we communicate with this? And Calbrick starts trying to figure out how to make the speaking stone work. All of a sudden, you, you hear a voice coming from the speaking stone, assuming that it's going to all of the compatriots. The speaking stone uh, speaks out loud. I bet you're all wondering what to do right now. Well, lucky for you, I, Silver Quill, am here to help. Step one, acquire a boat. And it hangs up. Well, I think we should go back down to the docks and see if we can't get ourselves a boat. Well, before we go to the docks, uh, Kelbrix uh, would like to look around to see if there are any like useful materials that have been left that he can kind of pick up. I know you said the fairgrounds are pretty much gone at this point, but is there anything like benches or little knickknacks or things that he could possibly even steal to try to be helpful on the journey? Um, yeah, roll me a perception check. I got a 10. The only thing that you see uh, that is movable are the four benches in the middle of the square. But you also see that there is a uh, large man posted up by one of the houses. And sorry, where, mm. where like are we exactly? You're coming down the steps from the Coliseum. All right. Uh, so Kelbrix definitely is going to want to make his way towards the water at some point. But before I do, I'm going to try to talk to this veteran guy over here. I'm going to go with him. Bond goes and looks at the horse. <laughs> Ixum, immediately seeing Kelbrix walk to go see the man, thinks that's the right call, but then decides the horse is more interesting. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's start with the horse interaction. Okay, so Bonta tries to entice the horse over. Um, here, horsey, horsey, you know, that type of thing. Um, <laughs> What's your animal handling? <laughs> yeah, roll for animal handling. It's, it's minus one, but I'm feeling good about it. Thirteen. <laughs> so, as you're trying to persuade this horse to uh, come over, you see that it looks up from its feeding trough and, and begins to walk over slowly. Mm. 
you can see that it has it's a brown-haired horse with with a black mane uh it seems almost as if it, it is uh in extreme shape um but yeah this physically fit beefy horse comes over trots its way over to you very slowly and uh looks you up and down confused as to what you are safe to say so it's in it's an extreme shape you say oh yeah no it's a, it is a a beefy animal can i tell like is it uh is it a racehorse is it a working horse you can tell by how uh broad its shoulders are almost like the uh the pitbull from tom and jerry uh where it like walks like it's so beefy that it has to like its front paws have to walk like side to side this is clearly a, a horse that's meant for farming uh and like agricultural purposes uh possibly even uh towing um resources gotcha well bomb would like to try to ride the horse if possible all right rolling another animal handling Not 20. But you, from the pure excitement of seeing a four-legged creature, you jump over the fence, you get on its back, it starts to, to kick its back legs up a little bit and, and, and like, just scream and, and do, like, the kind of kind of thing. And I think they call that you hear a whinny. A whinny, thank you. And you hear... Uh, no movement whatsoever, but you do start to hear some some noises coming from the uh, house that the horse is near. What the hell? What the hell's that? Why? Deborah, why are you so loud today? And out walks uh, Handler, an animal handler. Uh looks over and sees a, a plasmoid riding his horse and is like, Deborah, what the hell has gotten into you? What's all that? What's on your back, girl? I'm going to go get, I'm going to go get the, the rake or something. I got to help out the horse. Sir, so, I think it's quite all right. I think it's just my friend here is curious about new creatures. Friend? That's a friend? Yeah. How does that look like you call it? I just really like horses. He, Fred, that thing doesn't have a body. It's just a it's just a giant ball. It's just a giant puddle. What the hell? What's going on here? So if this is going to be a thing, you can go back inside and wait for us to be done. It's quite all right. I won't. It won't be offended. Write a persuasion check. Persuasion. Yeah. It's an eighteen. He goes, well, if I let strangers' kids ride the horse, I might as well let whatever the hell this thing is ride the horse. That's a great attitude. You got five minutes. Well, you know, I think we really would be better off if the horse just came with us, right? You look like a man with money. No, 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 no. The horse wants to come with us. You, you, it'd be wrong for you to deprive this beautiful beast of its desires. Look how freely my friend is riding your horse. Isn't that what you want for it? The the horse is is just now starting to calm down. 
Well, she does get out often. I must, I must say, but I do. I need the horse for you know farming and 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 such. This house, as you can see, clearly goes more towards a field. Uh, it's a small field, but it's a field that I've acquired myself. So I'm going to need, uh, I believe, some very solid compensation for me to retrieve uh, perhaps another horse, if it so be. How how does five gold pieces sound? Five gold. I can make that with one harvest. Make it ten, and you got yourself a deal. Oh, I think that price is too steep. <laughs> too steep for my steed. I think so. I think so. How much gold do we have right now? A lot, <laughs> more than ten. <laughs> I just don't know. I don't think we have any use for a horse. <laughs> well, I kind of want to take him with on the. He can be our our friend on the boat. It's food for Kelbricks. It's nothing else. Yeah, callback yeah. options. Well, then I'll, I guess I suppose I'll leave the uh, decision to you, my my wet friend. Yeah. Uh, I uh, I think I could part with uh, with ten gold pieces. All right. Be careful, though. He's a biter. <laughs> he goes to. Shake Bond's hand for the agreement. Oh. oh, God, what is this? What am I touching right now? No, don't be rude. <laughs> it's just, I'm sorry. It's just this is the first time that I've ever had a situation like this where I had to shake a a thing's hand like this. I, it's just it's so I can't tell if it's just wet or if it's wet and sticky yet. Kind of like a maple syrup looking type. You know, you should really be open to new experiences. Uh, you know, I think it's, you know, it's something maybe you should work on personally. I, I, f I find this very offensive. And, and, and Bond, without looking back, uh, gently kicks the horse in the hinders uh, and, and starts walking out of the pen. Make sure you... Make sure you leave the tent gold! Oh, yeah, definitely. Bond, Bond throws it on the ground. He, he, he does not hand it. <laughs> God damn. Ixum picks it just up. kind of casts it behind him. <laughs> Is anybody it's not, it's not this spiteful. Place? It's just that he doesn't... Oh, sorry. Sorry, Josh. Go ahead. No, is anybody else concerned that you just paid this man two years' salary for his horse? <laughs> because we should also... Is this a war horse? The way you described it, it sounded like a warhorse. I would just like you to know that this man could have sold this warhorse for a lot more than ten gold. Ten gold seems like a good deal, and I think uh, only because I imagine Calbricks could overhear all of this that he's now plotting to sell the warhorse to this veteran for half price, which would be two hundred gold pieces. A quick return around for some gold. Let's but say it's a war. Let's say it's a warhorse, and through. Uh, the the fact of pure shock that he did not know what this alien-looking creature was. He was so aghast that he just wanted you guys to leave. That's fair. <laughs> Reasonable. Nice. All right. Can so I... I have to find a way to get a horse mount into Owlbear. But you guys now have a horse. Yay! <laughs> Lovely. All right. Now let's uh, swap back over towards the the veteran and and Kelbricks 
and Erlen. All right, sorry. I'm just looking up what a riding horse would cost. We could also sell it as a riding horse, and we could still make a pretty profit off of it. All right. <laughs> so uh, Kelbrick's uh, approaching this guy first. Would kind of just very, uh, you know, not meekly, very meekly walks up to this guy and goes, Well, hello there, sir. How are you this fine day? State your business. Well, we had just come from the Coliseum, and I was hoping you could uh, help me out. I'm, I'm trying to acquire a ship of some kind, and I thought, who better than a, than a local to ask where to find uh, this equipment. Do you do you know of uh, any local ports or anything that would be selling ships for cheap? Well, I did notice that there was a couple of ships over at Port Womp that were saved specifically for the contenders of the of the games, but if I remember correctly, I overheard some guards on the way out from the Coliseum stating that there were only enough boats available for five teams. I suspect that, based on that given information, they didn't expect you guys to make it out alive. I see. So if these five ships are the only five in Port Womp, would there be more somewhere else? Well, there's another port uh, that you can go to that's on the other side of the island. You can get there maybe about five days travel, bar that there's no issue. Uh, but I would suggest that perhaps you would explore the city a little bit and talk to some other other folk to maybe see if they can give you a lending hand. I know that there's a lot of people that traveled here from either of the ports. Um, but outside of that, that's about as much as I can give you. Very kind of you, sir. Now, I do have one other question. Are you in the market for a war horse? You're not going to sell me that guy's horse. I just I just saw you guys throw money down on the floor for him. So you know that it's already exchanged hands once, which means it's obviously something that's, you know, wanted. It's a valuable resource. There'd be no reason not to pay for it. Especially one such as yourself. I can see your bipedal mode of transportation is clearly not as efficient as four. As you say that, and you look up and down, you see that he has a lot of scars going up his left arm. My, that's on your left arm. Thank you. I got it when I was an active gladiator. I'm sure that was very interesting for you. First off, let me tell you something. I'm working here as a bodyguard for this building here that, if you can look at the side and read, says Inner City's Famous Brothel and Inn. As you can tell, I'm not really one to give a shit what I do, but looking around, I retired gladiator, on-duty guard, and oftentimes I bodyguard. You can tell that I'm kind of short on change, so... Elbrick's no longer interested in the conversation, goes, uh, I don't care anymore, and then walks away. Have a good day. He does not return the farewell. <laughs> walks Fuck. over and just goes, Fucking prisoners. so that looked like it went well. <laughs> he is not interested in buying our horse. 
I was more concerned with the boat, but I understand, you know. He said there were boats, but there's only five here. I think it might be a waste of time to try to get there and get a boat from one of the other prisoners. I think we'd have better luck crossing the island and getting boats from the other one, the other town. All right. Well, that sounds like a plan to me. Did he tell you where the other port was? Or did he give you a map? Well, I'm just having an innate sense of direction. I believe we have to go to uh, Marsh Deep City, then Fallwater, then through the Privy Forest to Port Ridge. Well, as long as you know where you're going, I think we'll be all right. I have an innate sense of direction as a ranger. I think we should uh, we should be all right. So which way is north? No, oh, fuck. Don't ask me that. <laughs> all right. So unless anybody has any objections, I think I'd try to lead everybody out of town, unless you guys want to pick up anything before we go. Ixum goes uh, no. back and looks at the uh, stable here. Are there any, like, saddlebags or, like, riding equipment for the horse? That would be for a plasmoid? I think not. Well, saddlebags would be for your stuff, not the plasmoid. Fair enough. Nope. Hmm. No bag. You know, he doesn't seem like he is a very good farmer. I mean, he doesn't even have riding equipment for the horse that he said was vital to his livelihood. <laughs> All right, then. So shall we uh, mosey on through the through the town and over the woods to port whatever we go? Port Wrench. Port Wrench. <laughs> yeah, I'm ready to get started. Let's roll out, Autobots. Let's do it. All right. All right. So as you make your way down through the fairgrounds, the the town square, you recognize that it does fork off into four directions. One direction is leading towards where you are now. Two leading down the streets. Uh, they have a you know an array of buildings ranging from shops and religious buildings to homes and music halls, and the last path is directly in front of you, leading toward an archway opening from the city. And I'm assuming you guys want to just kind of mosey on through. Yep, I think so. Okay. As you guys get towards the opening, you see that the walls are enclosing on you, thirty to forty feet high. You see that there are two large doors that span from the top of the walls to the bottom of the walls. One of them is open and one of them is closed. As you walk past the ones that are open, you see the young child. He's running over to Bont. It's the one that Bont waved to. He goes, Mister, Mister, quick, come here, come here. He grabs the horse by the 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 mane. Pets it first to get acquainted, then walks it through the middle city. On like Ixum just immediately stops him from doing that and says, "Whoa, now you're quite a small lad. You probably shouldn't be messing with such a large animal." As he approaches with his hands up, Kelbriggs draws uh, his bow and looks over at Ixum and just says, "Do I kill it?" No, Kelbriggs, not yet. All of a sudden, you're, not yet. you're wait. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I... I'm sorry. That boy was coming. 
to get you to come to me. I'm, I apologize. The name is Morath, but you can call me Mor. I have I turned to Ixum. Do I kill him? Mm, closer, but not quite yet. <laughs> From what the townsfolk have told me, you guys are in need of a boat. Yes, we're in need of a boat. Well, I can get you that boat. However, where is this boat? Okay, it's more like a connect. It's more like a connection with a boat that gives you gives you more of like a, a a fair price on it than the jacked up prices that would be given to you now. You know, the the boat economy is skyrocketing ever since the the games have started. What would you call a fair price on a boat, there, sir? They could probably give you about half of what was what would be the the original price of fifteen hundred gold would be the original price. I could probably you know get that knocked down with my connection to seven fifty. Elbrix puts his bow and arrow away. He looks dead in the man's eyes and goes, "Is it your boat, or are we buying it from someone else?" No, no, look at me. And you look at him, he's covered in dirt and grime. His hands are just scarred and, and calloused. No, no, I. we live in the center of the... We live damn near in the center of the island. No, but if you come with me, I can explain everything. So, Kelbrick's Why don't you just tell me about the boat here, now, or I'll be disinterested. The boat will be purchased, will be available to purchase through the connection that I have. But there is something that I need in return. And I cannot tell you. Okay, that's fine. But, but I'm not going to be listening to your request until you tell me whose boat this is. This is my connection's boat. It is. Who's your connection? Right, right, sneakily right, goes up next to the guy and goes, just a heads up. I'd probably tell him. <laughs> I only know I only know my connection as the shipper. The shipper? Does he do That sounds like a pretty shifty name. I turn to my group, turning my back completely on the man and the boy, and go, This man seems untrustworthy and has no idea where this boat is, I if it even exists at all. I find his request to be invalid unless he produces some sort of substantial information. Now can I kill them? Uh, can I try to intimidate him? You could try. Okay. So, so Erlen comes up and firmly on the guy's shoulder and he's like, nah, you're going to tell us exactly who owns his boat, and you're going to do it right now, or my lizard friend here is going to kill you. And intimidation check, question mark? Yeah. What's he done, sir? Uh, 19. Listen, I come from a line of people that are dirt poor and have very little to live for. You telling me that I'm going to die is nothing short of everybody else in this city telling me that I'm going to die. This That means nothing to me. However, because I so desperately need your help with, with something, 
I will give you as much information as I can. And at this point, you can see that he's starting to tear up a little bit. Kel breaks Mr. Earl and he goes, a city telling him he's going to die and we're going to have to be the ones to kill him? That makes us successes or, um, successful where everyone else has failed. I think that's brownie points for me. Oh, yeah, come I, on, Kel, I think so. At the very least, it'll be fun. Also, side note, Kelbrix took one point of psychic damage because Erlen called him a lizard, and he's most clearly a snake. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of what kind of uh, Yuan-Ti are you, by the way, Josh? Are you pure blood or are you pure blood? So technically, pure blood's the only player race, right? Right. Okay. But yeah, I'm, I'm a pure blood. Okay, perfect. Um, but I hired to be a real monster. <laughs> Um, okay, perfect. So, as he starts to he starts to, to tear up, Morath looks at everybody and he goes, "You guys are so hell bent on killing things. I have a request that involves doing that." Kelbrix is instantly interested. <laughs> I see I piqued the the turtle's interest. Kelbrick's no longer takes the psychic damage. He's just now infuriated. He draws his bow and pulls it back and points it directly at the man and said, sorry, what was that? Uh, you never really introduced yourself. If I misspoke, it's because I don't know who you are. And you just remind you me. You have eyes, though, don't you? I shoot the arrow, but try to get it to land right at his feet. You call my bluff, okay? Yes. Even though I get threatened to die a lot, or I get threatened to get killed a lot, I am terrified of death. That being said, I now recognize that you are, in fact, a snake person. I'm so sorry. I'm tired of this interaction. Please tell me what you have us, or what you want us to kill, because I would like to loot some things. I will be more than happy to tell you. However, it is not safe to tell you here. I need you to come back to my house. All right. Kelbrex is starting to shuffle the rest of his party because he's really antsy for some bloodshed. <laughs> he barely wetted his whistle, wetted his appetite. Perfect. So, I'm assuming you guys are all following? Yep. Yep. Okay, perfect. So as you guys are walking through, you see, you see that you're going through a essentially a, a ring uh, of walls. Similar to like Attack on Titan or like Bossing Say from Avatar. So you guys are walking through the middle. It's called the Middle City. You guys were in the Inner City with the Coliseum. Now you're in the Middle City. The Middle City, uh, unlike the uh, Inner City, it's full of markets. It's very, very heavily populated. Um, a lot of yelling, shouting, a lot of people moving, getting to work. And as you see, Morath is walking you towards the wall to go towards the outer city. And as he goes through, you see there's a crack in the wall large enough for the whole party to get through. He looks over at Bond and he says, I promise you, you can get your horse back. You just need to tie it up for now. It's not able to fit through the crack, and this is the only way to get to my house. Mm. Yeah, Bond bon complies. That's okay. Okay. <laughs> Do it, does anyone have any, any, any locking mechanism on them? I do not. Dang. Like That's a lock? Morath, Morath has, has rope. He, he, Morath was able to acquire rope for you, and he 
ties up the horse to a post by the by the crack in the wall. He goes, come with me. So as you guys walk through this crack, it's a little tight, but you guys are able to make it all through. And you recognize that you are now in the outer city. And the outer city is a complete opposite of the inner city. It's all made of dirt roads, stacked housing, large groups of people wearing old like potato sacks and dirty rags for clothes. Similar to what Morath is wearing currently. But also, unlike the inner city, everybody is is much more friendly. Uh, everybody's smiling and waving to you. And Bont sees the small child that is also smiling and waving to him. And as you guys are walking through the outer city, you stop at a spot that looks like a burnt down barn uh, with a uh, makeshift straw roof uh, and some, some minor repairs to make it a more livable space. Morath looks at you and says, Well, this is my home. Kelbricks laughs out loud, very obnoxiously. <laughs> Pick some laughs too, but mostly at Kelbricks laughing. <laughs> Erlen looks for a suitable wall to lean against, but he can't find one that will support his weight. Bond feels awkward and tries to avoid eye contact with everyone. Easy because you don't have eyes. <laughs> Giant ass silly jelly guy. So, <laughs> so he looks at everybody and he sees Kelbricks laughing and he goes, I understand that this may look fun, you know, entertaining to some people, but to me this house has meant a lot. It's a lot of history here in these bones as he smacks the, the wall gently. And even just the gentle smack, it, it wavers a little bit. The, the couple cobblestone pieces fall out. He looks over at Erlen and is like, I guess you were lucky not to lean. Okay. Let's get down to business here. He begins to choke up again. I need your help. I've talked to, you know, my family and everybody around. Generations of, of my people lived in this home. However, if you look around you, it's just me right now. My wife and daughter are missing they've been missing for two days and you want us to kill them you're so close you're so close I promise you I will I, I will feed you when time comes to be fed I've asked around and I had one connection say they saw someone with them around like two days ago I don't know it's been really hard time has kind of stood still for me they were in the middle of the middle city. I realize now that that is not a good phrasing. But this also isn't the first abduction either. There are four other children missing in the last two months. Which honestly isn't that bad considering. But this city is known for the lack of crime. Uh, because of all the guards that you've seen coming through. Maybe not have seen on the walls and, and, and walking along the, the paths of the walls. But I need you to go back to the middle city and rescue my daughter and my wife, Brecca. Elbricks needs to clarify something. You said four other children were missing, correct? Correct. Other implying more of the same type of object, correct? So it was your daughter and your wife that went missing? 
my daughter, my wife, yes, and then there were four other children uh, before them that were... How old is your wife? Uh, Erlen becomes visibly uncomfortable with this line of questioning. <laughs> uh, it was early 30s. Define child for me. I look over at Ixum and I go, where's he going with this? A woman and four other children were missing. My wife and four other children were missing. The implication is that your wife is a child. Erlen slowly puts his hand on his uh, on the hilt of his great sword. Elfric <laughs> laughs again at the man in a mocking tone. I'm sorry, weren't you just in a prison? And I'm shitting on you. How pathetic are you? Your family. <laughs> look at my house. Look at look at what I have. I know generation still shit. You're burying yourself deeper, so I would just I would just let this one go. <laughs> Regardless, my wife is in her mid thirties, and my daughter is is no older than four or five years old. Oh my god, this is so great! Yeah, we'll definitely do this. <laughs> I want to see this thirty year old wife. <laughs> <laughs> we'll know her because she looks thirty, right? <laughs> yes, she. You guys I... are so perverted. She is a 30-year-old woman. Sir, Her birthday I, was... No, I, I really thought I was going to have to eat you, but now I'm intrigued. What is your name, sir? I have told you my name like three times already. My name is... No, but I didn't sorry, care. I'm sorry, I'm getting... I know, I'm sorry, I'm getting, I'm getting worked up. I'm, and I don't want to have anything come off as confusing or, or, or aggressive. That's not who I am. I'm working with that. My neighbor's a therapist. We've been going through this. My name is Morath. You can afford a therapist? I said my neighbor's a therapist. I didn't say I pay for it. all your money on therapy. I don't spend money on therapy. It's my neighbor. She comes over and I grieve. Grieve? Yeah, that sounds pretty dark, dude. Are you okay? <laughs> no, I'm not okay. My 30-year-old wife and my daughter are missing. You keep saying her age like that's not the actual age. I've, no, it's because I I have a fear that you guys are expecting me of something else that is not the case. We got together when I was 19 and she was 17. We were both in high school. He went to school? There's no way he graduated. I mean, look at his house. I mean, it just, you know, it doesn't track. All right. Well, I'm done making fun of you because it's gotten old. You're, you're too easy of a target. He just more at whoever. What, what'd you say? He just slunks back like into like the one chair that's in the built that's in his home, and he just starts to tear up and cry, but he cries quietly. <laughs> he goes, "Don't worry, me. don't worry, more." If you feel like your life has lost all meaning and you'd like to become part of a, a superior race, I would be honored. No, I wouldn't be honored. You would be honored for me to turn you into a Yuan-Ti and you could join my brood. No. <laughs> think about it. Life is shit. Just think about it. You could be great. That, just like boldly walks out, even though he's not 100% sure where he's going, um, towards like what he thinks is the middle city. I look over at, at Erlen, who is, 
I'm assuming still like just kind of standing idly by a wall but not leaning on it. He's just standing there looking like he's leaning on it. And I look over at him, I go, well, since he's gone and out of the way. <clears throat> where you need to go is back towards the main section of the middle city. If you go, there is a a small church there that is dedicated to Lady Sif. You can't miss it. Just please go there and you meet up with my friend. His name is... His name is Adam. He saw everything. He saw everything and didn't do anything, eh? Alright, let's go find this coward. Alright. We'll get a mosey on then. Okay. So as you guys go to catch up with Kelbricks, and you walk back towards the the crack in the wall and through the middle city, you remember that as you were walking out, Morath yells, Go through the crack and take a left! <laughs> All right, sir. We'll totally do that. She was 30 years old. And so <laughs> you get back through the crack and you see the horse is still there in good health. In fact, there are a couple of children that are petting the horse and the horse is uh, excited to be out of the of the pen. Do we have a name for this horse or are we just not naming the horse? Uh, Bond is still... Pondering the name of the horse, but he's open to suggestions. So, Bobbert Jr. Or, or what about Beth? What'd you say? Bethry. Like Billy Beth and Bobbert and Beth. <laughs> I like Bethry. Bethry. Bethry the horse. Perfect. Okay. So, as you uh, make your way through the crack, you grab Bethry. And you take a left out, out by the crack and you see a lot of uh, people are, are roaming around not exactly making eye contact with you, kind of um, almost refusing to, to acknowledge your presence. Um, but every once in a while you see that somebody looks and kind of gives you an, like a polite just nod and hello. As you make your way to the left, you see that there is a building that has a sign out front that is, just says the Church of Sif, and then under underneath, may she provide plenty towards our land. Our doors are always open. Hey, I think I found it. Before we go any further, everyone's gonna go inside. How how do you walk in? Do you walk in like confident, like chest out, and like? Um. Yeah. Sure. You walk in. And you notice that they're in the middle of prayer. And in the front of the church, you see somebody not saying anything. This is uh, clearly more of a silent prayer for for Lady Sif. And you see that there is um, incense that is burning on the wall, on the side of the walls uh, in, in little trays. And they're all bowing their heads and kind of keeping quite still. As you uh, 
approach inside. You're greeted by somebody by the door. Ah, hello, good day. May Lady Sif be in your in your prayers and thoughts. What can I do you for? So, real quick before we uh, continue this interaction, you do know that uh, the goddess Sif is a goddess of war, right? Yeah, she's also the goddess of uh, fertility for land. Okay, I did my Just I did make my sure we're on the same page. That's all. Yeah, I I. I I labeled her in in this realm as a uh, goddess of uh, fertility for land and uh, protection of 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 the land. Yeah, so she it, does. It's she's that because it's the blood of the enemies that fertilizes it. Yes. Yeah. Yep. All right. We're all tracking. Just making sure. Yep. So good day. What? How can I help you? Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a moment to pray real quick. These gentlemen will let you know what exactly we're looking for and what we're doing. Of course, of course. And she turns around. And she goes, "For our first time prayers, we always give you a a, a token for gratification for Lady Sif." And she turns around. Like and, money? No, we don't. We don't exchange currency here. We don't even ask for donations. So she goes and grabs, she goes, we are fully funded by, by the city. So she goes and she grabs a necklace, uh, a chain necklace uh, filled with uh, three metal uh, fingers. And she puts it over Erlen's uh, head and puts it on like around his neck as a necklace. It's a prayer necklace. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. You're welcome. So, are you guys here to pray, or? We're looking for Adam. Ah, Adam. Let me get him quick. And as everybody's heads kind of come back up, you can see they're done with prayer. Hold on. Adam! And as you can see, immediately looking up, everybody, instead of greeting each other and thanking each other, they are uh, just single punch to the face, everybody, as a, as a uh, thank you and welcome situation. Uh, Adam, you see, gets hit in the face, goes, thank you, good day, and runs out back towards you guys. He goes, hey, what can I do you for? Uh, we were sent by Morvath. Morath? Doesn't matter. We're looking for the missing children and a uh, 30-year-old woman. Oh, uh, yeah. That's, uh, that's Brecca. That's my sister. Ah, how old is your sister? Wait, before he answers, I think prior to entering, <laughs> Elbricks definitely would have taken an over-under on 16 for the woman's age. <laughs> I'd like to think he's telling the truth. Definitely the over for for, for Ixum. Oh, I mean, gosh, she's. Let's see, I was six years old. I believe she's about thirty-nine now, turning forty next year. Oh, 
So she was giving birth at 35. That's quite unusual in this day and age. Good for her. Yeah, we like to consider that a uh, emergency, keep the bloodline going uh, child. But we we love her daughter more or less the same. I am her favorite Uncle Adam. Her only Uncle Adam, actually. So we really doesn't say that much. Yeah, exactly. Hey, <laughs> Sim, you cracked me up. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> let's go. Let's go talk in the back. I don't want anybody else to have to deal with this. So they go into the back, or Adam. Adam walks into the back, waiting for you guys to follow. I'll follow along. That should be good. Okay. So as you guys, Erlen, follow... having finished his prayer, follows along as well. Excellent. You have a good day. And as you guys walk through, you guys see Adam like, sitting down on the desk. He's like, I'm so sorry. It is difficult for me. Keep it together in public. It's all right. You'll be somebody's favorite uncle. <gasps> Can I be your uncle? No. You <laughs> can be my uncle. Oh, oh, thank God. All you have to do is on to your way of life. Oh, no. I... Oh. There's oh. your offer, sir. We'll cross that bridge when we get there, I guess. But for now, for now I'm going to say no. That's but I appreciate it. I guess you really don't have a favorite uncle then, huh? He takes two psychic damage. He's <laughs> <laughs> he a goblin starts eating it. You can say that he has a, a, a splitting migraine. He is, in fact, injured. He's like, yes, it's it's true. I I saw Brecca and Abigail being taken by somebody in a hooded cloak. They were more of a, of a broader gentleman. They walked into the building right near Mort's meat shack. And I couldn't do anything. They, I mean, look at me. I, I'm weak as I'm weak as shit. I'm just bones and meat, and I barely have any meat. Well, you can always find a little. Trust me. It would be a great honor if you could help. Yeah, we would be pretty awesome, wouldn't we? He looks over at Bot. What is that? It's a horse. That's, that's rude. It's just a horse. <laughs> My apologies. Um, but yes, if you could, if you could do that, that would be fantastic. I'll, I'll have, I'll have Morath meet you here with me at the church. If you guys return, I will also be able to grant you ten silver each. You're offering us one gold? And a fancy Look at me! Way. That's all that I have. I haven't given anyone in quite some time, and you're offering me one gold. Just remember I that can... when I'm back. <laughs> of course. Of course. And as you can, as you guys uh, start to end the conversation, he looks at you guys and goes, Whatever you do, if they come back alive, I will be forever in your debt. 
enough in my debt to become a Yuan Ti. That sounds fair. Extremely. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> you can tell he did. Pot- you can tell he did pottery for a minute, though. No. No. But I would love it if you could help us out. So, you guys now know the location that you need to go. More, more to meet Shack. I think I called it. I'm more to meet Shack. No, I'm oh. more to meet Shack. <laughs> Which one of you is the real Mort Meat Shack? Mort Meat Shack is more or less a meat shack? Belonging to Mort? Yes. It is a couple of buildings uh, across the other side of the archway. Um, and on your way there, you more or less see shops are beginning to close up because it is beginning to be like midday, which is typically when the shops in Mart in uh, Marsh Deep close down. And you see Mort's Meat Shack coming up on your right, and you see this plain, average-looking, boring home next to it. Well, that looks like a normal home. Kind of boring. <laughs> Beffrey agrees. So are you guys going to go in? I think so. Is the yeah. meat shack open? The meat shack is not open. They have officially closed. What a waste of a day. It <laughs> eh, could be worse. We could be dating a four-year-old. It still gives me the heebie-jeebies. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, that guy was weird. (laughs) Seriously, how old is his wife? They said 39, but I still don't trust that guy. He was squirrely, too. Adam, was it? He said 30, but his wife is almost 40. I'm just saying, things aren't lining up. And he originally said she was in her mid-30s. Something ain't right. She's a child. We all know it's true. <laughs> we'll have to find out, but yes, the odds are not looking good for this gentleman here. We may have to report him to the appropriate authorities. Yeah, we'll probably have to kill him. Or kill him, one or the other. <laughs> I'm going to move towards the house stealthily. I hate that this is part of the whole thing, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to being a DM. <laughs> So, as you guys are approaching the house, uh, Kelbricks is doing so uh, stealthily. Uh, how is everybody else approaching? Nixon's just kind of hanging out, watching Kelbricks. Yeah, Erwin's hanging back because he's not sneaky at all. Has night fallen yet? No, it's um probably around like three thirty in the afternoon. Maybe four o'clock. So it's still more or less midday. Yeah. Yeah, the shops are closing up. They only believe in a six hour work week and a six hour work day. 
Six hour work week, damn dude. Yeah, imagine. <laughs> six six hour work work day. Uh they only work like three days a week. This is day two. Do we wanna wait until nightfall or do we wanna go in right now? I think go in right now. I think we scope it out either way. So Kelbricks is still gonna stealthily try to slink up and peer in through the windows, if there are any. Yeah, and if we're go if we're going for it, Ixum will go up with Kelbricks then. I think Erlen, depending on how is, should maybe hang back for a bit. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, that's going to hang I'll, back. I'll hang bit. back for a minute. Is Bont hiding behind Erlen? No, Bont is like tall and proud on his horse. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. I'm on a horse. <laughs> um, hey, Tyler, can I get double move speed on my horse? They have their own move speed, don't they? Oh, okay. Can I get horse move speed? <laughs> if you are on your horse, I will allow you to move at the speed of the horse. Yay. Um, Brad, I'll the link for the horse stats. Your speed is 60 feet on it, though. Hey, I do get double move speed. Let's <laughs> go. Yeah. Um, so as you guys are looking through the uh, windows of this house, uh, why don't we go ahead and have uh, Kelbrick, since he was the one initiating it, go ahead and roll me a perception check. I got a seven. Okay. Uh, looking in, you can see that there are, uh, as far as you know, no threat, uh, no threats to you, to you or your party. I turn back to Ixum and I give him this like ridiculously huge thumbs up, and I'm like. Is it like ridiculously huge thumbs up like your thumb is huge? Or like you're just like really going into it? Like you're like I should I should clarify, yeah. It's not huge. It's it's overly dramatic. Okay, okay, perfect. So like there's like an arms with Ixum looks back like he doesn't know what Kelbrix is is trying to signify. Kelbrix no longer thinking the bit is funny, just looks at him and gives him a normal good to go. <laughs> Ixum goes with Kelbricks, or goes up to where Kelbricks is and approaches the house. Hey, Kelbricks tests the windows. Do they open? Are they locked? Uh, the windows do open. Sweet. So I'm going to open one of the windows and see if I can't slink my way in. So Kelbricks goes in. As you go in, you see there are about three chairs, uh, a table, uh, you would assume for dining and for uh, meal prepping. Uh, you see two library shelves, uh, two bookshelves, I'm sorry. Uh, and you see a desk in the corner with an open door that leads towards a bathroom and a stove that has one burner that is still on and a chair. And a, I'm sorry, and a room with a locked door. Seeing that the burner is still on, Kelbrix is going to become a little bit more wary of his surroundings, and he's going to try to find a shadow to move to. Uh, yeah, so, the so there's no lights on. Uh, the only light that's coming through that's in the building is th are through the windows, and they give you maybe about five feet worth of like uh, bright light and maybe about ten feet of visible light. So really anywhere that's not towards the windows that you just came in through will give you enough shadow to, to hide. Okay. Um, 
So as soon as I move into shadow, because I'm a gloom stalker, I turn invisible. Perfect. Uh, yeah. Okay. Great. great. Some crawls in behind Kelbrix and moves a little further. Where he thinks is behind Kelbrix. <laughs> Ixon, Ixon knows where you are. <laughs> All right. So being that I am now invisible. I feel a little bit more comfortable not moving so I don't make any sound. And it'd be very, I, I think anybody would be hard pressed to see me. Um, so I'm gonna move over towards this desk pretty slowly, but I'm gonna be kind of looking for traps and and things along the way. And when I get over the desk, I start kind of rifling through it, seeing what I can find. Okay. Uh, rifling through the desk, you see a couple of uh, Empty pieces of parchment paper, uh, an ink and quill are on the top of the desk, uh, a letter that is not addressed to anybody in a closed envelope is on top of the desk, and inside the desk you see some more parchment paper, uh, an extra quill, an extra ink bottle, uh, a key, and um, let's say a, a book titled, My Wife is an Adult by... More, more salt. Alright. Well, I'm definitely going to be taking some of these items. For instance, I'm going to be taking... How many uh, sheets of paper are there? Uh, there's going to be about four sheets of paper in total that are unmarked. Alright, I'm going to take all of the unmarked paper and an ink and qu like ink bottle and quill. I'm also going to take the key. Um... And you said there was an unopened letter, or yeah, you said there was an unopened letter. Yeah, there was an unopened letter with no, um, like nobody addressed to, uh, on the on I'm the envelope. You as delicately as I can try to open this thing without like tearing any of the paper, so I can reseal it if possible, like remelt the wax. Let me slide a hand. I can only get so many bad. That's an eleven. Okay. Uh, yeah, we'll say it was a DC of 10, uh, for the sake of this, because it, it seems more or less, uh, I don't really know what a wax seal would be easier if it was still wet or if it, if it was hardened, right? Because if it was hardened, then it would all come up at once. Or if it was yeah, wet, be... it would kind of like destroy so, the imprint. So like, if the letter was made here, there'd be like a signet ring or or some kind of stamp that would be like imprinted in the in the wax so if i wanted to remake it i could okay i mean if not i could just try to hand craft it and that would be kind of like another sleight of hand or or something along those lines kind of a check um but getting it all up if it's wet i mean i wouldn't tear the paper at all if it was wet and then if it was solid i might tear the paper but it would all come up as one so i could just remelt the wax okay but more than likely i'd have to break the wax to open the letter Okay. I mean, there is the there is an insignia on it. It was done here, uh, but the insignia is more or less just the bottom of a quill bottle that kind of just stomps the wax down onto the paper. For function, not a signature. Yeah. Um, you could almost tell that it was like placed in haste. Um, gotcha. So, as you unseal this, uh, you know, whichever would be the most efficient way for you to do, um. You see inside there's a, a fully written letter. 
uh, addressed to, it's just titled to uh, the boss. Okay. I, I read the letter. What does it say? The letter reads, Dear boss, it's been three days since our last abduction. The children are, are screaming downstairs. Two of them are ready to be transported while one of them has just appeared downstairs due to the help of some local thugs. Though we are ready to have them all transported, we request that you only take two, maybe three at most, due to the memories not being wiped yet from the city's mage. They will be ready for you within the next two to three days. At your earliest convenience, please regard and send us a letter back. Yours truly, Lockheed. How do you spell that? Like like a like a lock, and then H E E D. And around the word Lockheed, you see that there are a bunch of like little hearts. Now you're good. I added that letter to my inventory, and I typed out the uh, the wording in the description. It made me happy. All right, so Kelbrick's kind of uh, moving back into the light a little bit, losing his invisibility, motions for uh, Bont and Erlen to join him. But he, like, puts his finger to his mouth to, like, keep quiet. Nixon just moves further through into the room and examines this door here. Yeah, Bont comes in. Um, he'd like to tie up his horse first if there's room outside. There is. Uh, you can go ahead and tie it up to the post and for the Mort's meat shack. Cool. Hmm. When Erling gets close to the window, which Calbrix is now back at, he um, asks Erlen if he saw any sort of like cellar doors or anything, like any sort of other entrances on the outside of the building that people could escape from. That's a good point. Um, no. I'm not going to have you guys roll for that one, though. No. no, you don't. All right. Well, then he welcomes in his big paladin friend. And uh, Kelbrick sneaks behind Ixum. I think we're getting ready to go through this door. Yep. Ixum, you go yeah. to the door. You open it up. You recognize Did that I door. open it up? Well, no, no, I'm sorry. Do you... If you make it... You can... I guess I'll Sorry. open it up. <laughs> all, all right, very cool. Well, the door's locked. That's what I was trying to get to. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, so Ixum will try and, you know, pick the lock with his little dagger. Can you do that with a dagger? Probably not, but I'll give it a go. <laughs> Just jam it in the door. What Ixum is trying to do, steps over here and motions for everybody to get back because he's just going to kick the door. <laughs> Ixum throws his hands up in disgruntlement and takes a few steps back. Kelbrick draws an arrow and like gets his bow out and draws an arrow, getting ready to go. And then he tries to kick down the door, which is hilarious with a ten strength. 
All right. So you go ahead and you try to pick the door. The door does not move. I got a 12, though. Come on, man. <laughs> you hit it, and it starts to splinter a little bit, but you don't really get much done with it. Yeah. So I, I, I uh, kind of scratch because, again, still invisible. I kind of scratch on the door where the hole is and try to get Vaughn to, to see what I'm doing and go through the hole, and then I move out of the way. Vaughn <laughs> wriggles through. So, Bont, you go ahead and wiggle your way through the door, and you see that there is a bed with a corner bookshelf. Um, the books are kind of torn, like thrown all over the place. Um, no, no books of, uh, to note in terms of um, popularity. You don't recall any of these books from the prison. And that's essentially all that you see in front of you um, at first glance. Um, yeah, I mean, can I look like a little bit uh, deeper? Does anything like jump out at me? Um, yeah, you can go ahead and, and roll me. That would be investigation, right? Or am I wrong again? That's what he's doing. But yeah, I would guess if he's investigating his bookshelf and his bed for like hidden levers or, or or hidden doors or something like that, that'd be investigation for sure. Okay. Yeah, that's, that is the idea. Okay, yeah, go ahead and give me a roll. Yeah, I got five. You, uh, you look through all the books on the floor and you recall that you don't know how to read, so you don't know why they sent you in here. Yeah, very true. All right, so Bonta... <clears throat> bump, bump walks back over the door um, and tries to unlock it from this side, assuming there's some sort of nice and easy twist lock type thing. There is some sort of nice and easy twist lock thing, and it goes a, it goes and unlocks, and the door opens for everybody else to be able to go in. Nice. Bump moves to the side, makes some room. Ixon will walk in, take a look around, see if he sees anything that may still be in the room, and like signs of life mostly like has someone been in this bed recently and slept in it Elbrick's is going to investigate this bookshelf while they're investigating that room okay. see if it moves yeah why don't you go ahead and both roll me um but that that'd be perception right because you're looking at the thing or that that's investigation oh. Shit. so perception is like looking out across a field and trying to pick something out. Investigation is like micro. Okay. Like right. micro. Perception's macro. Investigation's micro. Yeah, it's not that cut and dry, but that's that's a good way to just like generalize it. Okay, perfect. I got a six. Huh, I got a nine. <laughs> Jesus. Oy. All right. So with, let's start with the bedroom with uh, Ixum's nine. What are you? Are you just investigating the bed still? Mostly just looking at the bed, looking for if anyone's been sleeping in it or anything like that. Okay, so you can know that with the nine that there was. Uh, you could say you could see that the the bed definitely has not been made. Um, 
and that there are um, spots that look like the the bed has been slept in uh, within the last like like twelve to eighteen hours. And then I look under the bed. All right, maybe another investigation. It's a 19. All right. With your 19, you look under the bed, and you see that the bed has... uh, There's... Almost looks like the legs go through the floor. I try and tip the bed up. Okay. Um, You go ahead and tip the bed up, and we are going to swap back over to... uh, to Kelbrix. So with Kelbrix's eight, you don't really notice anything out of the ordinary. Um, however, when you hear Ixum, you know, lift the bed up, you, you hear the heave ho of, of the, the young man. You see the books, the bookshelves start to uh, shake a little bit and begin to separate. All right. So I peer behind the bookshelves. You peer behind the bookshelves and you see an empty room with a flight of stairs. So I'm going to say that this is the end of the episode and we will be back next week when we investigate the basement of the house next to Mort's Meat Shack to try to rescue the definitely adult wife and their child. Hey everyone, it's your DM Tyler. I hope you enjoyed listening to Tales from the Dragon's Den's first campaign, A Race for Freedom. If you do, make sure to leave a review, rate us, subscribe to the channel if you're on YouTube, and check out our socials at Dragon's Den Podcast everywhere other than X or Twitter, where we're at Real Dragon's Den, and TikTok at Dragon's Den Pod. If you want to support the podcast, you can over at patreon.com forward slash Dragon's Den podcast, where we upload episodes a day early. You get to see behind the scenes stuff and assets that were used in the latest episode and more. We hope you have a wonderful rest of your week. We will see you all next time in the Dragon's Den. What if today is just me saying I'm not ready, like for three hours? We'll call you the anti-SpongeBob forever. Perfect. <laughs> F is for fire that burns down the whole town. Okay. Bart Luce's D&D campaign. <laughs> At least the D&D campaign. All right, I'll take that. Josh, are you eating baby food right now? No, it's almonds. <laughs> whatever, whatever you got to tell us, dude. I get it. Look, man, fire, I get it. Though. It looks good. It looks good, you know? Almonds. Diamond. Smoke house almonds. Pick it's gonna sound really weird, but my sisters and I, when we were younger, we used to eat like baby food prunes until we were like way too old. Baby food prunes are delicious; they're very good. I, I swear yeah. to God, prunes yeah. are good for your digestive system. I feel like I have to try this now, but I also am like too ashamed to do that. <laughs> Don't be ashamed; just do it. It's legitimately good food. At least I remember it being good when I was like ten. <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll keep you guys uh, abreast of my. My my goings ons and the baby food prunes department. I expect weekly reports.
<laughs> Those will be my fun facts. <laughs> yeah. No, perfect. That's all that I need. I just Proof's need you guys. Not bad. <laughs> Ixon pulls out oh his little God. baby stash of pruned food. 